Well, hello, Fellowship family. It's great to have you here. Happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, this is actually the first time I've done a Mother's Day message in about 10 years. And uh, I typically have been in series, and Mother's Day came, so we showed a video, and we honored moms that way. But this time, I really wanted to prepare, and I didn't know if we'd be in our building at this time, so I, I just planned through May, and I got my message, and it just so happened that we launched our new uh, expansion here on the same day as Mother Day. Mother's Day. What a great opportunity to honor women. I remember one of the series I was doing uh, in the month of May uh, during Mother's Day was about giving. And here's just a note to the wise, especially a pastor. Don't preach about giving on Mother's Day. I saw a bunch of mothers like this just stirred at me, staring me down. And then Monday came and all the hate mail came. Why did you try to just talk about giving instead of honoring mothers? And so hopefully today, after I talk about mothers and about how women change our world and uh, lead us to a closer relationship with Christ, um, I want to hear some good emails, okay? So send them to me. I, ne- I need your affirmation on this one. And just maybe next year, I'll do another one. Okay. Hey, we're in Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, open up there with me in Luke chapter 10. Now, um, we're going to come across a woman named Mary. And if you read the New Testament, you're going to realize, wow, there's seven women named Mary in the New Testament. Which one are you going to teach about today? And, and uh, we all know about the, the Mary, who is the mother of Jesus. And we could definitely do a Mother's Day message on that. But that's not where I was directed this week. We could certainly do one about Mary Magdalene. Probably not about Mother's Day with her, but... but Now we're coming to another Mary, and she's shown in three places in your New Testament. Her name is Mary from Bethany. Remember her sister Martha, her brother Lazarus? Okay, this is the Mary that is shown to us three places in Scripture, and at three different circumstances in her life, she's at the same place. She's at the feet of Jesus. Think about what does it mean to be at the feet of Jesus? Well, in uh, ancient Middle Eastern and even the Roman world at that time, when anyone was a teacher, when anyone was a philosopher, when anyone was uh, knowledgeable or full of wisdom, to be at their feet meant that you were a disciple, that you were a follower. So for her to be at the feet of Jesus is actually very liberating in the first century world. They didn't give women the right to to vote. They didn't give women the right to do much. They were more objects than they were valued. And here is Jesus changing the course, liberating women before there was even a word called liberation about women. And Jesus is accepting women. And this woman is going to lead us to a closer relationship with Jesus. And we're going to honor women this, this morning as we take a look at her. Jesus was traveling through Bethany, and her sister Martha invited Jesus in. And in a Middle Eastern culture, if you invited someone into your house, it literally meant you were going to be preparing a meal for them. I come from a Middle Eastern background, and my relatives call it the greatest insult to invite someone over and not feed them something. And even worse yet is to run out of food if you're trying to serve them something. And so what Arabs do is they just, if you sit around a table with a group of Arabs, they'll just pile the food on. And they'll, they'll mark uh, the success of a gathering by how much food is left over. And it's not how you would think. It, we leave food over when we don't like it. They leave food over after you've eaten. And my grandma would consistently go, Joey, would you like some more? I said, no, grandma, I've eaten so much. And she'd bring another serving on my plate. 
Because that's how the picture was. So if you were a woman in that culture, you just started working like crazy. And there is Martha, slaving away, preparing it. And it was nothing that she could do with a microwave. Everything had to be cooked from scratch. And her sister Mary should have been helping her, right? I mean, that, that was her place, right? But where do we find Mary? She's at the feet of Jesus. Let's pick up on this story in Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. It says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. By the way, whenever Jesus says a name twice, look out. There's going to be some correction. (laughs) He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I think it's fascinating at this first uh, circumstance in her life, Mary is at the feet of Jesus. And what is she doing? She's listening and she's learning from him. Mary is teaching us that in even, even in the realm of hurry, in a busy world, in, in a world that says, do one more thing, she's at the feet of Jesus. She's taking time to make it a priority to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen and learn from him. Jesus invited and accepted women to do this, not just men. Societies have always segregated the gender roles, but Jesus made no distinction. There was no distinction between Jew or Gentile, male or female. All were called to Christ. And what we focus on with Mary here, as the lens of Scripture kind of hones in on her, just for a glimpse we see her listening and learning from Jesus. Never ignore, never ignore the value, the importance of taking time daily to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen and learn from him. Time in the word, time in prayer, time in meditation over the word versus a daily checklist. The first thing you can do is to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen and learn from him. You see, a follower of Jesus, here's, here's my definition, follows Jesus, okay? And if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to be focused on him. You're going to learn about him. You're going to follow him based on what you've learned from him. Now, there's going to be pushback. There's going to be pushback inside you and around you to you listening and learning from Jesus. In this story, it's Martha. It's her sister. It's the pushback. And can you see it? I can kind of see it because we all have that inside of us. Someone else is sitting and listening when they should. We think they should be helping. And so you can kind of see all the nonverbal cues. Martha's coming in with the food and going. <laughs> no, she does that. Maybe she grabs a, a, a basket of figs and goes up to Jesus to go, want one? And he grabs one. And as he's grabbing one, she goes, by the way, see her. Tell her to get up off her and go help me. Tell her to help me. And he pauses. Let's stop the teaching right now because this is a greater lesson. Martha, Martha, 
She was out around the peripheral. Jesus now puts her in the spotlight. Oh, I don't want to be there, do you? I don't want to be there. Don't put me in that spotlight when you're correcting me. You are distracted from the main reason. And Jesus wasn't criticizing her service. He was criticizing the attitude in which she served. This kind of tells us what needs to precede serving, right? What needs to precede serving is us sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening and learning from him. We need to take the time because our time listening and learning from Jesus, our time seeking him will fuel our time serving him. And so Mary leads us to this place. Amidst all this hurry, um, it's really awkward in our lives today to have margin. And that's why, that's why when we approach meeting with Jesus to listen and learn from him, it's real easy for us to say, I'm too busy to do that. Well, can I just say this? You're too busy not to do that. It can't be seen in your mind as an option. It needs to be essential. And as you do that, you create an appetite for more time with Jesus. And so that it becomes a desire. So it becomes a, a drive in your life to take time daily to listen and learn from Jesus. Mary's going to teach us to do that. And we've got to fight the attitude if we're serving. And some of us have been serving a lot, and we've been serving really hard. It's easy to just try to do more with our lives. But Jesus says, choose the good portion. The first portion, portion. In other words, seek me first. That will never be taken away from you. And as you seek me, serve. Serve me. That's what we're being called into, but it's fueled, it's fueled by seeking after the Lord. Here's, here's one thing that I tend to do when I'm really wrapped up in serving and I've neglected seeking. Whenever I start criticizing others and taking pity on myself, I know I need to step back and do a soul check. I need to stop serving for a bit and I need to start seeking again. I've been involved in ministry for a long time, and it's easy to jump into that pattern, especially when you're launching a new expansion, okay? And there's so many things to do. It's so easy to, to serve and ignore seeking. And let us be, let us have this time, led by Mary here, to again refresh, to recalibrate, to realign to the value of seeking Jesus through time with him at his feet, listening and learning from him. There's a second place that we find Mary of Bethany, and it's at a totally different environment, and that's shown to us in the book of John. Flip over to the book of John, chapter 11. John kind of tells the last week of the life of Jesus, uh, his earthly ministry here, in slow motion. He takes like 10, 10 chapters to reveal to the seven days, the last seven days of Jesus, and he does it for purpose because that's really why Jesus came. And as Jesus is engaging on that last week of his earthly ministry before he was arrested and tried and crucified and buried and then rose again, for all these things happened, we joined the story back at Mary's house and Martha's house. And what do we see? We see Mary again at the feet of Jesus. But here's there's the problem. Her brother Lazarus had died. And we all deal with that loss. And we all grieve when we lose someone of value. Her brother, her financial assistance, her, her provider, he died. 
And several days before he died, when he was on his deathbed, Mary and Martha cried out to Jesus, sent word to Jesus, was Jesus was on mission. And they said, come on, help your friend. And we tend to believe that Jesus is our friend, which he is. But we think friends help friends then. And we expect Jesus to do what we want him to do in our timing or else we question whether or not he loves us. And that's, that's what they said. Come on, come on. But we see a great profound delay in the scriptures when the story is told. Because when Jesus heard about Lazarus being on his deathbed, he delayed. He kept teaching. He kept serving others. He didn't go to their beck and call. And so Lazarus dies. And so Jesus reappears in Bethany to go and comfort Mary and Martha. We see Mary here in verse 32 of John chapter 11. It says this, it says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And Jesus wept. He said, where have you laid him? They they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Just pull back real quickly from this passage and try to understand it. What is she doing at the feet of Jesus? Well, she's crying out, right? She's asking profound question in the midst of her loss. She's questioning him, but she's going to him. She's going to his feet again. We see her at his feet expressing her heart to him. Mary kind of leads us at our worst moment. What do we, where do we go? What do we do on our worst moment on crisis? And here we have a, a woman seeking, not only seeking after Jesus, but going to Jesus and crying out to him, expressing her heart, becoming vulnerable, asking the question that was probably forefront on her mind because of the grief in her life. She's teaching us to be real and authentic with Jesus. It's easy for us to try to get dressed up with Jesus because we get dressed up for church, We look presentable to him before we come to him. And here's someone at her worst moment just saying it. Where have you been? I feel alone. I feel depressed. I feel worried. I feel anxious. And what do you see Jesus doing? Before he answers that question of, well, this is why I delayed. This is why your brother died. That's what she wanted to know. What does he do? He comes right alongside of her and comforts her. There were going to be cynics there when they saw this, right? The cynic said this shouldn't be happening, right? The cynic said this shouldn't be happening at all because if he could cure a blind man, why did he allow Lazarus? He could have just, you know, healed him from the distance. But Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, by the way. It shows shows us Jesus engages us at our time. Where is Jesus when we hurt the most? He's with us and he's weeping for us. Did you ever think about that? And we think, well, he can't really understand us if he cries for us but doesn't, you know, empower us or take care of our problems. Well, wait a minute. He will take care of our problems. He will fully and finally defeat the the power of sin and death in our lives. But right now we're in an in-between time, right? Where's Jesus? He's right with us. He hasn't walked away. 
You may not understand everything about what you're going through in crisis, but let Mary teach you right now. Go to the feet of Jesus. If you do not go to the feet of Jesus in times of crisis, when you're calling out, you will process it internally. I've done that. It doesn't work. Hi, I'm Joe, and I'm an internal processor. (laughs) It doesn't work. It usually comes out in anger. It comes out in bitterness. It comes out in gossip. It comes out in discontentment when I process my hurt away from Jesus. That's why it's good that we run to the feet of Jesus and we express our heart to him. By the way, if you need proof text, just read your Bible over and over. It's not just those good verses that make the calendars, okay? It's the verses of people crying out, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? God, I don't understand what's going on. That made the press. That made right in the middle of your Bible and it's throughout it. Here it is, a woman crying out to Jesus in the midst of her crisis. Express your heart to him. Jesus sees that. Folks, things are not as they should be in this world. You and I deal with failure and loss every day of our lives, but things are not as they will be. And Jesus will take care of that. Right now, are we willing to trust him in the in-between time? To, to rely on him and build the foundation of trust on your worst moment, not just your best moment. Come to Jesus. Express your heart to him. Mary's taught us so much already, hasn't she? She's taught us how to listen and learn at the feet of Jesus. She's taught us how to, how to express our heart to him at one of our worst moments in our lives. And now she's going to teach us some, something else. And John doesn't wait long because he puts it right in John chapter 12. But take a look at it. It's right on the last week of the life of Jesus. This is kind of the inaugural moment, and it has meaning for us here. Here Mary leads us into the feet of Jesus again. Look at it. It's in John chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. Can I just pause? She served. There she is again. She's serving. And that's the last word Martha gets. And isn't it great? It's not her attitude anymore. It's not her tude that she's sporting before everyone else. She made the scriptures. She made her legacy. She continued serving. But here she did it with joy. Here she did it with contentment. Martha served. And Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him said, and here was his voice, I know it, it just had to be this voice. Why? Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Let's go back to John's voice. I can't stand that voice. He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what, he was, put in, what, he, what was put into it. Jesus said, like this statement, hey, leave her alone. Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Remember, Remember Mary, listening and learning at the feet of Jesus, expressing her heart to Jesus. What is Mary doing here? I believe she's offering her life to Jesus. Here's why I believe that. She took something worth a full year's salary, 
something that was probably in her family for a really long time and kept for her very own burial that would someday happen to her. And she took it and she broke it and extravagantly put it on the feet of Jesus and then in an extreme amount of servanthood took her hair and wiped her, his feet with her hair on that. I mean, you don't do that unless you're doing something of great value to someone. And what she's, she's offering her life to him. By the way, I believe this is also intentional. It meant she got it. Jesus is going to die. Did you ever think about it? The disciples didn't get it up to this point. The disciples, those who were closest to Jesus, always wanted to be, where am I? I'm first in your kingdom, right? And where will he be? He'll be further down, but I'll be first. And Jesus would just nod his head. You ever work with people like that? Who's in your role after you are? You know, I mean, everyone's vying for position, but Mary catches it. Jesus has to die for our sins. The first person in the scriptures who got the reason why Jesus had to come was a woman. And a godly woman leads people to Jesus ever since. She was offering her life to him. You know, whenever you offer your life to Jesus, whenever you take that step to grow closer to Jesus, to offer more of your life to him, there are going to be critics. There are going to be cynics. Here it was Judas and don't you love it? You dun 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 Judas robbing from the money bag, okay? And he would be the person who said, Hey, there's better things to buy with that. And then to save face, we could give it to the poor, even though he knew when no one was looking, he was robbing it for himself. Greed always does that in my life. Greed always robs me from God's best. Selfishness always promises the next gadget, the next purchase, the next thing I get for me will give me greater joy and contentment. And it just feeds a monster within me that can never be satisfied apart from offering what I wanted to spend on me to the Lord. Do you know what joy I have in my heart today to see more seats filled in here? Because people want to hear about Jesus. This is the greatest investment I've ever made. And whenever we offer our lives, there's going to be that internal and external. What a waste. Why did you waste it when you could have spent it on something else? And Jesus, I love his response. Hey, I love it. Leave her alone. I love that. By the way, that phrase cut to my heart. When I think about my wife offering up her life to Jesus, my wife's been very involved in a ministry that we support through the Topeka Rescue Mission called uh, NetReach in the High, High Crest neighborhood. And uh, she's been consumed with that. And uh, she's come alongside people in that neighborhood and born, just would bear their burdens with them. And it's overwhelming sometimes. And she would come home and she would tell me what God is doing there. And I was so busy here trying to get into the building or dealing with something, a crisis here. And I would come home and say, honey, I am done with words today. I spent my 16,000 in counseling today. I don't have any more words in my life right now. Can we just be quiet or not ask her how her day is. Or just go, honey, we, can we move on from that? I want to talk about more things than ministry. And maybe that leave her alone needs to be something I need to hear. When I could come alongside of her and fir- affirm what God is doing in her life. Leave her alone. 
Her life's being spent for me. Jesus said, what she did to me was a beautiful thing. I love that about Jesus. He always affirms a beautiful heart. When our culture focuses on the two-tenths of one percent that we call beautiful today, that we airbrush them for a magazine cover or for, the, for the, the front page of a website, Jesus says, no, 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 your beauty is your heart. And Mary led us to that place. That the beautiful thing that we can do with our lives is not poured up on the externals. It's the internal heart, condition of the heart, offering itself to Jesus. Don't ever walk away from that. Don't ever neglect your heart being offered to Jesus. I love what Mark says about this story. In Mark chapter 14, verse 6 through 9, it says, Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me, for you will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can go and do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Literally what that meant is because of the concentration of this perfume, most commentators believe and scholars believe that Jesus actually kept this smell on him when he was on the cross. It endured even the beating and the, the, the uh, suffering that he had. That scent of a beautiful thing done to her, done to him because of her. And this is what I want to focus on. Look at verse 9. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. You want to leave a legacy? Offer your life to Jesus. Here we are, Mother's Day, 2016, and we're still hearing about Mary at the feet of Jesus, offering her life to him. This is, this is Mary. Same place, three different circumstances. Same place, at the feet of Jesus. She's listening and learning from him. She's expressing her heart to him, and she's offering his, her, her life to him. And Jesus in each one of these circumstances, is doing the same thing for her. He's loving her. He's lovingly teaching her when she stops and listens and learns from him. She encur- he encourages her. At, when, he, when she's offering or, or, excuse me, expressing her heart to him, what is he doing? He's, he's loving her by comforting her. When she's offering his, her life to him, what is he doing? He's affirming her. How do you love your mom? How do you love the woman in your life? The same way Jesus loves them. Number one, encourage her to things that last forever. I think about all the things a mom could do in a culture that says do one more thing with high expectations and low time for anything for themselves. The greatest thing a woman can do today or a man could do today is to spend time at the feet of Jesus listening and learning to him, from him. How are you encouraging the women in your life to listen and learn at the feet of Jesus. I'm not talking about, did you have your quiet time today? You know, check the box kind of thing. I did. You know, you don't want to do that. That usually doesn't work. But when you see them, hey, I love it that you're a woman of the word today. I love it when you prayed the way you prayed. Thank you. I love it when you said, let's get up and go to church today. This is good for our family. 
Can I tell you how valuable encouragement is? You open the door and say, yes, this is a good thing. Women need to be encouraged. All of us need to be encouraged to take that time to listen and learn at the feet of Jesus. Secondly, remember Mary expressing her heart to him? I think you can comfort. You can comfort your mom when she is hurting. I've talked to lots of moms this year, and here's what I hear from them. There are a lot of expectations on me. I feel with all the things that are happening with my kids, even with my husband, I feel like I'm falling short. I feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm overwhelmed. Your mom is hurting when she says stuff like that. When there's moments when your wife is up to her ears in diapers and there's a smell in the room and it's not a beautiful smell in the room, you need to come up to and say, hey, you are doing a great job job. I just love it that you're the mother of our children. I just love it that you're my wife. I think it's awesome. You're doing a good enough job for me. I am completely satisfied with what you're doing. Some of our mothers are mourning the loss of their children. Some of their mothers are are mourning uh, the loss of of a parent or a loved one. And like Jesus, we come alongside and we mourn and we grieve with them. When you do that, here's what I just learned by doing that with others. You bear that burden with them. When we listen, when we empathize, when a woman is going through crisis, when we listen to understand, took me 20 years in marriage to catch that one, by the way, because I've always listened to solve problems. I am a problem solver. And it took me 20 years to catch this one. Let me just save you 20 years of struggle. Listen to understand. Just go, okay, so what are you, you're saying this? Oh, and if I understand you right, you're saying this is what's bothering you right now. Okay, I get that. I'm sorry you feel that way. And for you to hurt with someone who's hurting is, means it's, it's just one way when the darkness of life is around you, when someone asks, does Jesus know what I'm going through? When you come along and say, I understand it, someone can get it that someone greater than you is understanding it by how you love them in a time of comforting. And finally, how to love your mom like Jesus does? Affirm her as she leaves a legacy. Jesus affirmed Mary when she offered her life to him. When she anointed him with that expensive perfume, Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, this story will be told. And it's happening today. The legacy is happening. How could you play that role in affirming Well, a lot of times when uh, we're caught in mundane actions, it's hard to see how they'll play out in the long term. And so when we're caught up in the short-term tasks, daily tasks that mean kind of nothing to us, like things like laundry. I heard of one mom who kind of changes that and moves it into a legacy moment. When When she's doing the laundry, she prays for each one of her kids for which piece of laundry she's doing and prays that Christ would clothe them each day. Another mom that I talked to, she, she, uh, every time she makes a meal for her family, she prays that more than food, they would be filled with, with the measure of Christ and it would overflow in their lives. That's how you take an uh, insignificant moment. I remember when Cheryl had two boys in diapers and she'd run, they'd run around her and I'd come and she'd see me and she'd start crying because she was overwhelmed with two little boys in her life. 
And I came along and said, it's not going to last forever. And thankfully, it didn't. These boys are going to grow up, and they're going to love Jesus, and they're going to serve him. Do you know, it gave her meaning. It affirmed her role in that day that would play out in the future. And when it happened in the future, guess who she would thank? She would thank the Lord. And that's how we interpret life for the women God has placed in our lives. Affirm them to the things that will leave a legacy. We all have that opportunity to do that. And I'll tell you this, there is a great need. Each one of us can make a difference to come alongside the women God has placed in our lives and love them like Jesus. Let's pray for that as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us, loving us unconditionally. None of us are here because we've been good enough, but all of us are here because Jesus was perfect and he lived a perfect life. He died on a cross and he rose again from the dead for us. Father, thank you for the women you have placed in our lives. Thank you how it is shown in the scriptures through Mary that she led us to the feet of Jesus. And may we be people who run to the feet of Jesus. It's in his name we pray and for his glory that we give. Amen.